FM, you are listening right across Australia at 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith of M network. It is 7am on a beautiful, slightly overcast Wednesday morning <laughs> and you are joining the, uh, the, the, the team. The Yay. Lawson and Renee team. Yay. Yay. Lawson and Renee. <laughs> <laughs> Renee, how are you doing this morning? I'm pretty good this morning. Um, it was quite a stressful morning oh, getting yeah? here. Yeah, the car would just wouldn't didn't want to wake up this morning. I was like, wake up, and he was like, mm-hmm. Wait, did you like run out of battery? Or... Yeah, yeah. So oh, and because so it's tough. early, it was hard to get people. Like I was like, I'm gonna have to wake up people. Yeah, and I yeah, woke yeah, up. Yeah. I woke up a friend, and she didn't have <laughs> jumper leads. So I was like, so I'm just gonna wake up the whole of dorm. <laughs> to find these leads um, but eventually we got there so yeah yeah that's so good you <laughs> ran morning. in here like usually we get here a fair bit before the show but you're like running in at like 6.58 yeah good stuff no that's awesome shout out you who, is, who, who eventually got you on the road Oh, uh, my friend Jazz. So, oh, shout out Thank Jazz. You, Jazz. Such a legend. <laughs> You're a legend. Let's go. Um, oh, what am I grateful for this morning? I don't know. I just, I just love life. Life is good. Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. just working, being a part of Faith FM. Yeah, you know, just all, just all the good stuff. <laughs> the good um, stuff. oh man, I'm actually really looking forward to today's interview. It's all about uh, what is it about? Yeah, it's about relationships. Ooh. How to find a marriage partner, which is especially. I guess relevant uh, to us apparently because mm-hmm. we're both single. Oh yeah, and so we're definitely in that place, and I'm sure there are a few listeners in that mm-hmm. place too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, and you're either gonna I'm- you're gonna have two reactions to this. Yeah. Well, either- well, what is it? Okay, you're either gonna be like stoked, like yes, this is exactly <laughs> what I need to hear, or you're gonna just like be a Roll bit your like, eyes. Be like um, not again, like <laughs> mom, stop telling me to get married. <laughs> Good stuff. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Renee, what's going on in the world of positively different news this morning? I'm glad you asked, Lawson. <laughs> let me let you know okay. what's happening. Okay. Well, hey, a son. Um, his name is okay. I'm not gonna. His name is Sean. His, his okay. last name is. I'm not going to Wild. Try. His last <laughs> name is Sean. He's for Sean Wild. <laughs> Sean, Sean Wild. Um, his mother has. Uh, a few years ago, she, she's passed now, but mm. she had Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And so he decided for her final years um, that he would take her traveling around the world. Mm. Um, so he took his mother, Mary, to Nepal to um, escape the harsh winter of Ireland. And he was really amazed when she started walking and talking again during their trip, even learning new words. And so he decided to, to because of that trip, he decided to keep her traveling with hi- with him for the next 18 months. Um, she got to enjoy a festival of color in the Himalayas. Mm. She got to roam across the mountains in Italy. They feel the sand beneath her feet at the tip of South Africa in her fi- final years. And for Sean, this was something that he felt he could give back to his mother um these experiences he loves like he he just loves his mom so much um who who his mother is just such a generous kind-hearted woman he says that she was the best thing in my life unconditional love is a thing you don't get often Mm. um and she always gave it even though she had a tough life um you know alzheimer's disease if you're aware or our listeners aware it's it's actually quite a sad something to happen. You know, you mourn the loss 
of your friend, your grandparent, your partner, um, as they lose their memories mm. of you or, um, yeah. So it was, it was really good to see her just, um, regaining some of her capabilities when he yeah, went, wow. went, went to her, went with her to Nepal. Um, and the doctor said that it was all the new stimulation. Um, everyone wanted to talk to her and she loved it. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's just sharing his, his, his memories and, um, just how happy she was. He said that she was happy before her, she had her disease, her Alzheimer's disease. And she actually got, they say that positive and happy people usually get a bit more positive and happy when, yeah, they, well. when they get, um, Alzheimer's, um, and he just he was just sharing his mem- memories in this article. He said that when he would put her to bed at night, sometimes she would say, "You are good," or "I love you." And you know, mm. for him, he says that was enough for him. So wow, it's a really heartwarming story right oh, there, man. As you were saying, like Alzheimer's is such a tough thing because you're mourning the loss of someone before they've died. Yeah, like yeah. and and it, and it's really tragic. Like it's really tough to to deal with. Obviously, for the person who has Alzheimer's first and foremost, but it's just something where I, I think it's just. Oh, I, I just think of that and it kind of sends a shiver down my spine. I'm like, oh, imagine forgetting the people I love. Yeah. You know, yeah. and not being not being capable. Like, it's really, really tough. But it's good to see that they had amazing final moments. And that mm. that's, I love what it says there. The stimulation of new places really just yeah. brought her personality back out. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's a, you know what he did for her? It's quite a sacrifice to take time off, 18 months, yeah. to travel with his mother. Mm. And I can imagine that wouldn't be easy. Um, some days may be good days, some may, days yeah, may not yeah, be. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so family- selfless, like, yes. Mm. And family is super, like, for me, family is very important. I think for most people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I know, you know, I, I come from like, I don't know, very close, um, island of family. And so, mm. like, I, I, we still, I, I, my grandma lives with my auntie and we're pretty much like, I'm at my auntie's house like every, every other day. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just family's really important. Your grandparents, like the sacrifice that they've made, like my, yeah. my grandma lived in Tonga. So my, my mother, my mom is like migrants. So they lived in Tonga. Um, it wasn't easy, but like they had a good life there, but like for them to come to Australia to work hard, um, so that we could have a better future and better opportunities. Mm. I just, I think grandparents, my parents are just amazing. And, it, and it's amazing to see that <laughs> selflessness come full circle yes. with this son. And, yeah. and hopefully we can do the same for Absolutely. our parents. Dude, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. So in more good news, there is a 11 year old girl with autism. She actually earned the world's Guinness, Guinness work, Guinness work, Guinness, <laughs> Guinness book of world records Yes, <laughs> for mental math skills. Oh, let's go. Yeah. So, um, her name is Sana Hymeth. Um, mm-hmm. and she has a very special gift in, in mathematics, it, it seems. She was diagnosed with autism at the age of two, but she's so proficient at multiplication, she recently took a, uh, took home the award of Guinness World Records for the largest mental arithmetic multiplication problem. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, so that is actually amazing, <laughs> right? Like I, yeah, that, that that's great. I I am not the greatest at math, but I do appreciate math. Uh-huh. Like you know how they talk about math being the universal language. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. All. Um, it's the one thing that is constant throughout the whole universe. Mm. Uh, in fact, if some people argue, especially um, Christian scientists, they're like it's the language of God because yeah, yeah, nature yeah. is in everything. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Her parents, uh, Sana's parents, learned that her their daughter was a math whiz when she was just seven years old. The first time Sana was introduced to the concept of multiplication, she grasped it almost immediately. Her mother says that she instantly typed in the answers for the math problems, some of which she had a hard time even understanding the question. Like, mm. it's crazy when you don't know the answers to yeah, these yeah. kids. Like, they just exceed um, your knowledge or your expectations. Mm. I think that's pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, she did fail. Uh, the second grade at maths, but that was only because she couldn't write one to twenty with a pencil and a pen. So you know, yeah. she knew the answer. She can type it in, but she didn't know the answers. But her parents have continued to push her and to encourage her in this gift that she has, and she's, and she's, now she's done she's well, setting world records. Yeah, That's, right. That is amazing. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. That is epic. All right, into in in news today. This is. Really big. This is really, oh. really, really, really big news. All right. Uh, basically, the Vatican has moved to explicitly criminalize the sexual abuse of basically anyone, adults or minors, by priests uh, who abuse their authority. Um, and to say that lay people who hold church office can be sanctioned for similar sex crimes. So this is... This this is stuff we've been covering on Faith of M for for a long time. Like you know the, the way that the Catholic Church is mu- moving in this specific issue. Of course, we've had the Royal Commission into Church Abuse here in Australia, and so it's always been like a big topic in the realm of religion and Christianity for us. And uh, it's it's this is a good thing. All like, right, so it is big. Yeah, you're right. Like, like reading this this morning, I'm like, oh, this is Pope Francis commanding to the whole world of. You know, mm. explaining uh, what's announcing to the whole world of Christianity, and specifically Catholicism, mm. that sexual abuse is a criminal offence, and priests who engage in it will be prosecuted. Mm. This is massive. This is a mm. huge move, and it's not just oh the children, like mm. it's everyone because this this like sexual abuse by you know, the clergy or by priests does not just extend to children. There are many people who are vulnerable. Uh, even over the, you know, over the age of 18. Um, and this is the thing that we've talked about so many times on Faith FM is the idea that, well, be, like, what creates this circumstance is the celibacy of the priesthood and the confessional. That you make a bunch of people be celibate and then furthermore... Leave you, them alone with a person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you put them in compromising situations okay, yeah. and it's like, Okay, this is the A1 thing that needs to be changed, and it's unfortunate and sad that they're not changing it because it is tradition. Like, there, there is no biblical basis. They can just change it, and it doesn't matter if there's a biblical basis. The Catholic Church has the ability to change it, uh, yet they won't, but it's good. This is a good step. Like, I, I'm as much as I just, I was just cr- critical, this is a good step. And I think even furthermore, this, the, the, the depth that this law goes to, um, you know, it recognizes that um, adults can also be victimized by priests. This was the next part that uh, that the law stipulates, like, is also criminal activity, which I was so interested in. It says, the Vatican also criminalized the grooming of minors or vulnerable adults by priests to compel them to engage in pornography. Now, this is a classic, a, a textbook. It's very textbook. specific. Yeah, well, because this is a textbook method of grooming. Oh. Basically, like, 
you know, uh, getting a younger, vulnerable person to view pornography, mm. to kind of get them into a, you know, it's comfortable with sexual things, essentially. Mm. And then you do the work there from kind of building up your rapport with them and dismantling them. And then so it's they're really of, just it's, like they're really looking into just avoiding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even. Yeah. The beginning of. They're getting it at the root. They're getting it at the heart. And I'm like, wow, that is actually fantastic because it's child abuse. Like even the the previous step of showing minors or anyone pornography Mm. that does not want to see it is abuse. Yeah. Like hundred percent. Like it's, it's abuse, but particularly with children, Mm. it is child abuse. And so they're taking this stand that I think is really great. And I'd love to see sanctions like this, but we already see this kind of thing in law. Um, but it's amazing to see it in church and that they're specifically criminalizing people for it because they should, because it is a crime. It is illegal. Um, and it's crazy that it's taken this long for it to, you yeah. know, to, to happen in, yeah. in, in church law. But I think it's a fantastic thing going forward. Um, you know, obviously I'm not the biggest supporter of, of the Catholic church. I love the people of the Catholic church. Mm. I'm not the biggest supporter of the Catholic church, but I think I, what I am a big supporter of is people in the Christian world making moves towards good morality. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, not necessarily legislating it in law and mm. church and state, but rather make taking a stand mm. on an issue. And I'm like, this is a good stand to take. This is a stand that every church should take. Mm. Um, yeah. Regardless of affiliation, like this is, Hundred percent, a really, really good thing. Okay, I have a story coming out of Australia um, that absolutely blew my mind uh, for a couple of reasons. We're going to actually talk about it and discuss a little bit, get a bit opinionated. So, a pastor um, from Victoria, his name is Paul Furlong from the Revival Church um, in, in out of Melbourne, has been uh, remanded in custody after being arrested for incitement. After making a Facebook announcement that his church would hold a Sunday service. Okay. So we know that Melbourne is in lockdown at the moment. Um, and, you know, because of COVID-19 uh, cases, they've gone into lockdown. Uh, but this person has specifically made the point, uh, Paul Furlong, he's gotten on Facebook and he's declared that we are to obey God rather than men. Of course, quoting Acts chapter 529, Peter, you know, who... They, they say we ought to obey God rather than men, men, and they get beat up and thrown in jail, and it looks like this guy does too. Um, and, you know, he goes on to make the point that COVID is a new world order hoax. It's just a cold. There's no scientific proof it exists. And, listen, I want to sit here and just and just refute this idea, not about COVID being real, but his justification for going to church and then his further, like, reprimanding. I think that, honestly, like, his... His custody is kind of fair, like his arrest. Uh, it is pretty harsh, but I will say this, okay? So Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, um, you're looking at a world that is targeting Christians specifically from a theological perspective to oppress them. Yeah, That's what's going on, is that they're saying, we are not letting, like, because they're going out and preaching and then it, the people say, no, we're going to throw them in jail if they, if they preach. Yeah. And then... Peter and the group of people, they go out and they preach anyway, and then they're thrown in jail. And we see this happen all around the world today. Um, and we're definitely looking at a reality in the future where this this kind of thing could happen in Australia. But what's going on in Melbourne is not that. Yeah. The reason I can say that is because it's not just churches that are being shut down. 
It is everything. <laughs> Literally everything. Sports events, yeah. uh, restaurants, shopping centers, like everything. literally everything is being locked down. This isn't an attack on churches. This is an attack on churches from a theological perspective yeah. either, which is what was going on in Jerusalem at the time when Peter says we ought to obey God rather than the men yeah. because it's a theological issue. Yeah. No, this is simply 100% a government, you know, imposed lockdown, which, you know, people say, oh, that's oppressive because COVID doesn't exist. But that's beside the point. You can't then make the claim, oh, we ought to obey God rather than man, you know, taking on Peter's stance because that's just not the situation. Mm. And so I've seen this and you know what, like him being put in jail like this is probably going to, it's going to create division. Yeah. It's going to make uh, the secular world around us kind of look at Christianity and say, wow, what a bunch of silly guys. But it's also going to make the Christian world kind of, I think for for some people who don't necessarily think this through, they're going to stand up and they're going to be like, oh, this is oppression. We need to stand against oppressive powers in our government and whatnot. And 100%, I have another story that I can't get to this morning about like, you know, all these things, legislated morality and stuff in, in Northern Ireland. But my point is, is like, guys, this is not the hill to die on. <laughs> this is not the hill to die on, please. Like, you know, again, it's pretty harsh, like, to be arrested for this. Yeah. But, you know, for incitement especially, and that could definitely set a precedent into the future. But c- come on, man. It's a lockdown <laughs> for everyone. Uh, let's agree, see what happens in the future. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Oh, I think it's time for us. Right now, though, we've come to our interview section and we've got David Haupt on the phone. David, are you there with us? I am. Morning, guys, and good morning to your listeners. Good to be back. Yeah, so good to have you this morning. Unfortunately, we don't have you in person, but we got you on the phone. It was great having you in the studio last week. But uh, it, yeah. it was great. Yeah, it's always great to be there. But uh, sadly, my work takes me all over. Ah, good stuff. Well, we know you're working hard and doing some amazing work in the area of community services and mental health. Um, but today we want to specifically talk about a topic that is, uh, uh, I, I guess quite alluring for myself and my co-host sitting beside me. Uh, we're talking about how to choose a life partner for marriage. Now, we are both single people uh, and not currently in the process of uh, choosing. And so, I guess we've got someone who is married. Yes, help us. Yeah, you're the expert. Teach us. (laughs) Like, please. (laughs) (laughs) Quite some single tears. (laughs) What a coincidence that we're talking about this with two single people on the radio. Oh, yeah. How good. This is a teaching session for us. We're your students, basically, in this session. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let me let me open up with a text, and I'm going to give you my paraphrase to this text. Mm-hmm. It says, if you marry, you have not sinned, but you will have trouble. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have your Bible there, check out 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 28. First Corinthians chapter seven and verse twenty-eight. Oh, uh, yeah, I can read this. The Bible says, "But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you." So, then, was my paraphrase correct? Pretty, pretty much. Pretty spot on. Pretty much. Yeah. Now, why would I start with that text, uh, talking to 
two people that are not married and to an audience that most probably have single people in there. Mm. Um, the way that Hollywood actually presents marriage is not how real marriage works. In other words, uh, Hollywood presents it as two people just falling in love and they live happily after in full bliss. Mm. The reality is that it is a hard work. It is initially when two people fall in love, they actually feel in love. We call it infatuation that draws them together. It is a feeling. It, it's a feeling that I fall in love with uh, about myself, the emotion that I feel that the other person evokes within me. In other words, it's very much a self-centered love. And if that is where married to love would stay, very soon that marriage will actually dissolve into divorce. And sadly, mm. one out of every two marriages actually ends off in divorce. I'm, I'm not just talking about marriages of people out there in the world. I'm even talking about people within the Christian circle, people that have vowed and said that we will live together in harmony and in love. I will serve you until death do us part. Mm. So, the choice of getting married is, in actual fact, the choice between heaven or hell. <laughs> yeah, well. that is that is just a sobering thought, you know. Because to be in a relationship where that relationship is a, a union of two people that are not meant for each other would be actually turn out to become a hell relationship. Mm. So the question, therefore, is. Are there ways that in which we can actually have the best chance to actually have a, a good, happy, healthy, loving marriage? And the answer is yes. Sorry, Lawson, you uh, wanted to ask something. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, I guess, you know, the the place we're probably going in our interview is just looking at those qualities and characteristics and the things that are needed then in, in yourself and an apartment to make that work. But I guess my, my thoughts there is just like, I, you know, there is definitely people who say, Oh, but, but you know, love is enough and love finds a way and, and, <laughs> and these kinds of things. And, you know, you're tempted to believe that because it's a very hopeful statement. I think on the surface, like, Oh, you know, if you just have, but as you were saying, love can just be described as infatuation. Like, yeah, it seems like very murky waters to navigate in terms of choosing a life partner. Lawson, I have, counseled many couples premarital as well as post-marriage. I have worked with many couples that are facing the potential of divorce. I have officiated in many marriages and not a single one of those couples ever got married with the intent to divorce one day. Mm. So why is it that about 50% of marriages end up in divorce? Well, we've read the text in First uh, Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians 7 also talks about the gift of, of singleness. Mm. Now, what does that mean? Uh, Paul is in actual fact inferring here that all of us come into this world as single. In other words, not connected to a life partner. And most people, or a lot of people rather, um, want to use their life partner to give them their identity and their worth and their value. And that is the foundation of codependency. 
which actually will destroy marriage. So when Paul talks about singleness, he's in actual fact saying to individuals that enjoy your singleness, enjoy the time that you have freedom, connect with your God, make sure that you find out your identity, that your identity does not come from a life partner, but in actual fact is spoken by God alone. Make Mm. sure that you know who you are, know your value, and from that perspective, I'm not just looking for the best life partner, but ensuring that you are the right partner whom your spouse is going to get married to. Mm. So, so many, so many couples I have experienced have entered into marriage expecting that their spouse has to become the author of their life. In other words, mm. speaking their worth in the valley, and very shortly, that marriage is in trouble. Mm. Sorry, I interrupted you there. All good. Oh, Renee, you had something to say? Yeah, I do have a question, David. Um, yes, for these, for these people who, I guess, haven't taken the time in their single life to find themselves and find their identity and secure that foundation in Christ, but they get in a relationship, um, and they're, they're finding issues. Like, are you saying, you're not saying this, but like, I'm like, do, does that mean they have to break up and then find themselves or can they still find themselves in that relationship? Like, is there, hope? There is hope. Remember that Paul says that if you do get married, there will be trouble. This is one of the core areas where trouble will be had. And in other words, it is a matter that that couple then, when they realize that they entered into a marital relationship and they came in expecting that their spouse needs to speak their worth and value, that there's going to be hard work for them mm. and that they need to put the hard yards in. Search for someone, search for a uh, an older Christian couple that's been married for many years that can guide them if they have got godly parents that can guide them if there is a pastor or a Christian therapist that can guide them through that to discover their true value in God. Mm. This is one of the, the core areas that I find that um, we so readily neglect mm. in preparing couples for their marriage. So it's never too late. I'm not a person that believes in divorce, mm. except you know when people have to, when that they've tried everything and there's just no hope and uh, their lives are in danger. I believe that moving away uh, has a space for that, but most marriages actually can be saved if mm. people, with an actual fact, turn to God as their source of, of value and, and identity. I appreciate that you share these. Uh, like your perspective on marriage is very real. Like what you share is very real, and you're like, it's hard. Like marriage is hard. Um, and for, for as a single person listening, I'm just I I really like my life right now. To be quite <laughs> honest, I like I like it right now, and I yeah. But so I'm just wondering genuinely. I'm like, if it's so hard in marriage, what makes it worth the risk then? Oh, you want to go to the gold medal straight away, Renee. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that God designed us to share our life with someone else, that our whole uh, comes from a union between two people and in a relationship with God. Mm. It's very interesting in Genesis. And yeah, I'm just going straight off 
my uh, away from what I prepared for this morning. Um, I believe that God, when He says, "Let us make man into our likeness, into our image," He actually refers to the plurality of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triangular relationship. Because of love, He creates. And in so doing, it creates man to be in a triangular relationship, husband, wife, in a relationship with God. And because of love, they also create life. Mm. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah, wow. That, that, that year God gives us the opportunity to duplicate that triangular relationship. And Renee, to be honest with you, because I've been married for 39 years this year. And to the same wife, and we have gone through deep, high times, low times, uh, but we've stuck together. We've promised each other that divorce is not an option, and uh, we've we've worked through a lot of stuff. And today, I look back, I can't think myself in being without my wife. Mm. She's part of me. She brings a wholeness that I would not have had as a single person. Mm. But it is vital to enjoy that singleness time, to do the things that you would not be able to do during marriage because you've got to think not of yourself, you've got to think about someone else. Mm. Um, Even when I spend money, I first connect with my wife and say, hey, honey, uh, I've seen something I'd like to buy. What's your thoughts on that? As a single person, you don't need to do it. As (laughs) a married person, you actually bring the other the whole time into the equation of your decision-making process. David, in the last minute and a half that we have left, can you share with us just quickly some principles? I know this is what you wanted to get to. Just some principles in choosing a life partner. Yeah, a minute is not enough, but let's let's try and do it. Try to get someone that actually worships with you. Yes. It's so easy. We see someone amongst the Philistines and you want to marry that person. I want to say, and, and we always say that this marriage is a missionary dating. I want to suggest to your listeners that it is a pitfall that so many Christians have fallen into mm-hmm. and they've been pulled away from their relationship with God and unhappiness mm-hmm. has come into there. The second one is surrender to God. Invite God to lead the right person to you. Um, just quickly, another one. Go through premarital sessions. A premarital session that will actually ask you about your past experiences, about your parents, the other persons. Remember that marriage is a marriage or into a family. And if you cannot... Um, build a strong relationship with the, the relatives of that person you want to get married to. Don't marry because that is going to bring discontent and disharmony in your relationship. Make sure that uh, God is always number one. And uh, see how your future spouse is going to act towards their parent. If you marry a female Lawson, um, make sure that you notice how she's dealing with her father, especially when her father makes her angry. And Renee, watch out how the man deals with his mother when there's conflict between him and his mother, because the way that they do that, dealing with conflict, will be the way that they will deal with you. Mm. Last point, pray a lot. Go for it. No, last one. Make sure that you're on your knees praying for God's leading in your life. Amen. 
David, thank you so much. Very insightful stuff. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.